Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to try out Pete Evans' new COVID-19 vaccine. For the record, the warthog semen is working quite well, although I preferred I didn't have to ingest it uh, orally, to be completely honest with you. Uh, that's my only gripe, though, uh, and also I've actually grown these um, this really thick bit of hair in one of my ears, and it smells a bit like potatoes. Uh, but that's about it. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the major action in the world of rugby league, including the firming return of Sonny Bill Williams for the Roosters, what career Anthony Seabold should try out next, our thoughts about who will make the top eight, the spate of fake neck injuries, plus an hour-long interview with former Coon Cheese ambassador Peter Russell Clark. But first... I am joined in the famous Media Watch Mario Studios by the only man so desperate for a Roosters three-peat, he started a smear campaign against Mitchell Moses, claiming the Eels' half only engages in sexual intercourse in front of replays of his own tries. It's, of course, Sander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. I have substantial evidence to back that claim up, I'll have you know. There's a bit of a rumour around town that he's got a few tickets on himself. Do you think his sexual performance would improve if he had sort of highlights in the background? Where did you hear those rumours? I think... Probably from Mitchell himself. Uh, look, he does put it, he puts it out there on his Instagram. I have to admit, he's not very covert about that kind of thing. Um, although he's, there are crimes about leaking those videos now. He's got, um, I've I got to say, I like him. He's, he's got um, the most tickets I've seen uh, a player have on themselves since Wendell Saylor, and that's saying something. What I loved about Dell was he's prepared to continuously refer to himself in the third person. No one's really done that before or since. There was a, a really. I was listening to to Matty Johns's podcast the other day. Other day, I don't know if you heard it, but they talked about just like what a smartass he was on the field all the time. And he mentioned the Broncos coming up to play them in in Newcastle a while back, and they had a packed stadium of thirty thousand. Yeah. Apparently, he runs out and he turns out and he goes, "Oh, they're all here to see the Dell." <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a he's a character. I really I, like. He's still he's still hilarious to listen to. I love. Honest. I actually do love the Dell. Look, before we drift off the Mitchell Moses accusation here. Commentary in the background, uh, has it ever improved your performance? Well, I haven't listened to a podcast while having sex yet, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I think for me, a former game would have to have Ray Warren commentary um, because that does actually genuinely get me hard, especially when he says the word sloppy play the ball. For whatever reason, it, it's almost difficult not to orgasm in that moment. Well, you know, what's, what's, what I find would probably make a fair bit of sense is you, you, know, you, you need to do it in phases, right? Like if you're going the, the tantrum mode, you'd want to you'd be able to get into it with a mm. bit of rabs and then you'd want something that would just cool Ta- you down. Taper it off a bit. Yeah. yeah. A so bit you, of Vossi. Yeah, well, I mean, Vossi. And then then if you then if you decided you'd want any, anything at all, you'd go into Hadley and you'd just completely kill the whole thing. <laughs> if you go to Hadley, you'd probably end up doing a Michael Hutchins. <laughs> <laughs> just the old belt around the neck and flog yourself off, which is a lot easier than watching his show, I can tell you that much. I'm probably oversharing here as well, Xander, but this is what the voluntary tackle is all about. Occasionally, in my rugby league fantasy, I do get the wife to dress up as Brad Fittler and do sideline commentary. For a good three-month period there, it was quite enjoyable. Uh, but enough about me. Uh, we should, probably should mention right from the top of the show that it has been 
a little while since we've recorded and a big apology to our loyal listeners who have been kind enough to send us well-meaning abuse during our absence. Uh, the truth is, and we'll have to come clean about this, uh, Xander and I have actually been on a sabbatical in Tibet, uh, trying to learn as much as we can from the monks that might be valuable for the NRL in the long run. Uh, only one big learning from me, Xander, uh, don't fuck with the Chinese government. They will cut your Shaolin dick off. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be useful for the NRL or not, but uh, that would be my message from HQ. What about you? What did you learn from Tibet? Yeah, I learned mandalas are a real waste of time. Okay. <laughs> because, yep. you know, they spend hours doing them and um, they just blow it all away. Now, we, of course, are recording from the iconic Media Watch Mario Studios and speaking into our lovely new sports best friends microphones. And the day call today, Xander, is dedicated to Parramatta forward Nathan Brown. Uh, it all looks very tough, but touch any of it even slightly and rest assured, it will crumble faster than the French during a military conflict. What are your thoughts on the Nathan Brown room? It's got a bit of attitude, I'll say that. Mm. Um, it's a little bit dirty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Everything's a little bit obese. You'd think it would be fitter. <laughs> um, but I don't mind it, having said all of that. it's It's got substance. It's just that substance happens to be ice. Now, before we lay down on the ground and pretend to have a fatal neck injury, uh, just a reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on the handle at Voluntary Tackle, or even follow me, Eamon Brown, on LinkedIn. You can also follow Xander Risotto on Twitter at the handle Actually, Xander underscore TVT. And if you could spare a few seconds to rate or comment on the show on Apple Podcasts, I promise to send anthrax to the Queen of England and blame the act of terrorism on Peter Fitzsimons, which will be good to do that for the third time this year. Frankly, Xander, I'm looking forward to framing Fitzy. But look, to open the show today, we're actually talking about a very <coughs> under-the-radar type of player. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of press. Uh, it's a far cry from the household name of other players. Now, for those of you who don't know him, his name is Sonny Bill Williams. Uh, he's a lowly played rugby league player. I think he's from Canada, Xander. But it looks like the Roosters want him. I actually thought this was madness uh, for quite a while, thinking he's earning much bigger money and he would, no way he'd risk his body and, and you know come over here uh, in a harder competition and potentially pay for less. But in the last couple of days, Xander, it looks as though this is becoming an increasingly real possibility. SBW could be returning for the Tricolours in a matter of weeks. I want to get your opinion on this. Is there a chance we could see SBW back at Bondi this season? Yes, I didn't think he would um, after they, they said that they were going to you know, require him to cancel his contract in, in Toronto and uh, forfeit the $5 million or whatever he's earning a season over there. Uh, but then... Turns out that's not going to be such an issue because the NRL have valued him at $400,000 a season given mm. his age and ability in the Australian market. I think probably fairly, I don't know the, the, the non-Roosters fans listening to this will, you can already hear them. will, you know, will be complaining, but they fairly have, have, have given him a, a, a lower value uh, than you would have, you know, than you would have uh, given him in Toronto where... Like, let's not kid ourselves. He was given a big contract because uh, he was an all-black and he was going to raise the profile of that side. That's right. It was more of a marketing exercise, isn't he? I mean, what is he? He's going to be 35, I think, yeah. if he gets approved and gets through quarantine yeah. and he comes back. By here. the time he, he's playing, he'll be 35 and yeah. he's a lock. Yeah, which is... So that's quite an ask mm. for a start. Now, I'd say if this was anybody else, I would say this is quite laughable. That The rigors of the NRL, you can't just rock in after playing in a substandard competition and before that, not great footy, let's be fair, in the last yeah. couple of years, especially by SBW standards, to come in and actually play well in the NRL would seem like it's a very a long odds prospect. But this is Sonny Bill Williams. He's a very special kind of player. And 
I'm not prepared to write him off, Xander. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think he's not going to be like he was in 2013. I think everyone knows that. Um, but he'll have a, a broader influence. And I, by the sounds of things, uh, Robbo wants to use him kind of as an impact player. And I think, you know, he still like he still looks like he's in incredible shape. Like he, mm. he does not look like somebody who's let themselves go at the back end of their career. He still looks like, you know, peak human performance. <laughs> like, you know, like he looks peak human, I would say, full yeah. stop. Yeah, he, he <laughs> almost looks uh, like the stereotypical guy that's on the front of Men's Health magazine yeah, yeah. Well, before they axed it as a title. Big shout out, Bauer Media. But he does, as you said, physically, he looks absolutely imposing. I don't think he's lost an inch there. But the NRL, if anything, it's got a bit faster, mm. you could probably argue. If he does indeed come over to the NRL and play for the Roosters, in what capacity and what role mm. would he play in the team? So from your understanding, Robbo would want him to come off the bench and to play second row lock? Is that the, is that the plan? Well, I don't know where he'd play him, to be honest. Um, mm. You know, he, he might not play him lock. I mean, he, he spent five years playing rugby union at centre. Mm. Um, so he's not going to play centre for us, but you would you would think he would use him. You would think he would use him in the middle somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, How long would he last? Do you think? What's your gut say? Out there, full combat? Is, would he be a twenty to thirty minute impact? Yeah, you would. You would think you would. You would use him through the middle third, yep. wouldn't you? Like you would. You would probably bring him in when other players are getting a bit tired, mm. uh, for a bit of extra impact and for that for his ball playing ability as well. Like the guy just creates so much second phase play. Yeah. Oh, and, and that is something that the Roosters could probably afford to have at the moment. There is a bit of an injury crisis. Now, we should address this. You mm. alluded to it already. Now, if this goes ahead, the amount of animosity and uh, public ridicule coming the way of the Sydney Roosters will be huge because obviously we've already got the reputation of having the giant sombrero. Now, I'm just going to put some facts on the table. They may be biased facts, but I think they are facts nonetheless. Facts are facts, mate. They, they're biased toward truth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're alternative facts. Now, we've released a player from our cap, some guy I'd never heard of, so that freed up $8.50 for a start. Let's put that on the table right now. Thanks to Latrell Mitchell, he went away, right? We're going to pay him 800000 He didn't want it. He wanted more. He's gone now. Who did we replace him with? Josh Morris, who I think at the moment is playing for McDonald's vouchers instead of hard currency. That fucking helps. In fact, both of the Morris twins, I think, at the moment are <coughs> operating on entertainment book vouchers, which is excellent. Um, who else have we got here to get him under the cap? No, Cooper Cronk. He was a million dollars a year. He's gone. And here's the other little kicker. It's not a full season. By the time he gets here and starts playing, we're effectively paying, paying for him to for what? about Four games. Yeah, maybe yeah. four to eight games, plus, like including if, finals. If, if, you, if you take into account finals and assume that they're going to play every finals week, yep. then it's eight, eight games the uh, maximum. But it's, you know, they go, well, it's seven games maximum so yep. it's assuming they'll lose one so um, i feel like we're putting a bit of a really long elongated disclaimer out mm. there to the public today said that believe it or not this isn't just creative accounting uh, this is something that is affordable from a rooster's point of view but if we are going to refer to dodginess i want you to talk about one david argyle because we've just watched a video of uh, mr argyle rationalizing how it is that Sonny Bill Williams be able to play in the NRL and leave the Toronto Wolfpack temporarily. Uh, here's what he had to say. Uh, it seems pretty straightforward to me. Fundamentally, all we're doing is using, you know, loopholes that could be orchestrated or lawyerized to get around the intent. Sonny wants to play in the NRL um, for, you know, the remainder of the season, come back to the Wolfpack. How it's done, uh, it's semantics. 
there's a, there's a bit of dodgy language involved there. Um, how did you see it? There's a bit of billionaire language, isn't it? Which is basically, it's I don't give a fuck. Um, you know, lawyering and loopholes. Yeah. They're great words. The NRL's got a bunch of uh, rules we don't really care for. But, but you know, <laughs> there, there's a longer version of that clip where he talks about, look, there's no season for the Wolfpack to play. It's not like he's really contracted here. Um, so he doesn't see the point in the rule being applied. And to be, a, is there a little bit of like, it doesn't really exist. It's not really a thing. So it's easy to extricate yourself from a dodgy deal that wasn't really a thing to begin with. Well, I think what he's really inartfully saying is the substance of the rule is you're not supposed to have one player contracted to lo- two leagues at the same time. Yep. Um, so they have a cap get out of jail free card really mm. where, where they're able to, you know, uh, go on a sabbatical. A <laughs> but it's it's like they do it in rugby all the time, right? Like what mm. they'll do, and they're trying to avoid the situation that you have with rugby where they'll go and play with the, the, the Panasonic Wild Knights in Japanese rugby for two million bucks a year for in, in yeah. the off-season. Big fan of them. You know, like it's, that kind of shit. So they're, they're trying to prevent that, but that's that's not really an out... Like the, the spirit of the rule won't be breached by him having to renegotiate mm. that Toronto clause because he'll be here for eight games and then I'll be able to go back to Canada and they'll do it all again next year if everything works Can out. Can I just say this? I think David Argyle needs you to be his interpreter because I think what you've said, if indeed that is the intention of what he said, it sounds a lot better coming from you and a far, far less dodgy and illegal. It just sounded so bad the way you <laughs> did. We're going we're gonna to lawyer it up, look for loopholes. It, it sounds like Donald Trump talking about how he pays taxes. Yeah, exactly. I can <clears> see why him and Nick Pilatus are friends, that's for sure. But look, you've actually hit on something that's really important there, right? And that is this idea that you can't play for two leagues. So essentially, it's about making sure that he's technically not contracted to the Wolfpack for a period of eight or nine weeks, plays for the Roosters, and then can resume his contract. Actually, on the surface, that seems like a a logical plan to me. Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean... uh the NRL also are conscious of that, it seems, and they've, they're they not going to have a couple of... like They're not going to worry too much if, if all the parties are willing to play ball because you know they would be effectively using a technicality to stand in the way of having a globally famous name brand come back to the NRL. And, and I was saying to you before, what's in it for the Toronto Wolfpack and David Argyle, right? He's very... He, he seems almost willing to bend over backwards to make this happen. And I think you probably hit on the right point there is... Essentially, Sonny Bill Williams is a walking billboard for their brand, isn't he? I mean, so for him to come out here and play an eight-week stint, say, for example, I fucking hope it happens, uh, he plays and, and gets a premiership for us in 2020, that could be brilliant marketing for the Toronto Wolfpack, couldn't it? I mean, in a club that's had a fairly disastrous year that had to withdraw from mm. the Super League, this could be one saving grace, maybe. Yeah, no, absolutely. It'll, it'll raise their profile. Like, it'll, it'll be covered in, you know, the press that, oh, he's going to go in the NRL and all the rest mm. of it, it'll, it'll be more media for them, surely, and that's that's what they want. They have a pretty slick media machine, Toronto. Yeah. Has it still got Trudeau doing blackface? Because I've, I, again, I'm going to just post my objection to that. I think it's a bad idea. No, but look, there's another angle on this story that I'm interested in, Xander, as well, which is Sonny Bill Williams himself. So we've talked about the legality and is it possible for him to come over here and salary caps, rah, rah, rah. But I, I have spent a lot of time thinking about what is in it for Sonny Bill Williams who has been, let's face it, he's at the tail end of his career, probably beyond that, to be honest. He's into the sort of extricated anus at this point. Where does that leave Cameron Smith? Oh, he's always been a piece <laughs> of shit out of Cause the Because he's anus. older. I'm just, just saying, he's 37. <laughs> to be honest, Cameron Smith's still playing well, annoyingly, um, where it feels as though Sonny Bill Williams probably hasn't mm. sort of hit the same heights as he has from four or five years ago. 
But look, if he's not paying a financial penalty, because that'll be the first hurdle, it looks as though, thanks to Dodgy Argyle over there, he's not going to pay a financial penalty. So what is in it for him in any other sense? And having been sort of an admirer of his and watched his career, I've noticed one thing about Sonny Bill Williams is it, as much as he is well remunerated, it's actually a bit more than that for him, isn't it? I think he has a sort of a deeper ambition to physically achieve as much as he can while his body is still mm. operable. And being a bit of an outlier in that respect, I think there's something in him that would love the idea of returning to the NRL one more time and winning a premiership. And he doesn't just back any horse. He's obviously backing a club that he's had a relationship with, that he's won a premiership with, and he sees a realistic chance of winning a premiership with again. Um, that all, For all those reasons, I think that this might well happen. Yeah, and that, that's that's a point that's kind of been made, is that it, it seems as if in the time that he was with the Roosters before he went and uh, joined the All Blacks again for their, their two World Cup campaigns, um, that, yeah, he was he, he became quite committed to the club in that period. Mm. Um, you know, sort of part of, the, part of the furniture almost, even though he only played a couple of seasons. He, yeah. He, he really was pivotal in that 2013 season. And I mean, um, when you get bought a few cruise ships on the side, it certainly <laughs> marries you to the club too. But the thing is, even like you know, the brown paper bag um, comments from you know the uh, the saltier fans out there, um, kind of made a mockery of by the fact that if you really wanted to go out and make a shit ton of money, there are much wealthier billionaires in the south of France and Japanese clubs that could pay him a crap ton more. They don't have a salary cap. No, exactly. Um, you know, they really could. They, he he could earn a lot more money playing rugby in Europe or Japan if he wanted to. Mm. The paper brown bag uh, allegation is a farce. It's more of a suitcase. <laughs> if it's going to be, if we're going to be actual truthful about it's, this, it's 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 a cocaine filled submarine, mate. Um, look, in terms of preserving Sonny Bill Williams's body as well, Xander, I'm wondering how Robbo will deploy him. Now, I'm wondering if the best thing for him to do is to only play SBW against Queensland-based teams just to preserve his physical body a little bit more. Think that might be a plan? Yeah, Queensland teams. In, well, I mean, that would include the Storm. They're basically a Queensland team. No, now. I've got to definitely not include them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, put, that's punched several holes in my theory, unfortunately. Anything else you'd like to add to this? Yeah, just can't wait to have you back, Sonny. Yeah, me, t- me too, bro. That's offensive. See you after this. <laughs> Well, welcome back to The Voluntary Tackle, a, a brand new segment uh, for the show, which is great stuff, Xander. Uh, it's good to have new material and new segments on the show because obviously we've done new segments in the past and they haven't gone well. Remember that time we had Ian Turpey? We wanted to do him as a special opinion piece and it turned out he was dead. I thought that went really well, actually. actually well, we still interviewed him, but it was um, it was awkward. So I'm glad we didn't. We've pushed on, and we're actually got a completely new person this time, and it's Media Watch Mario in a new segment called Media Watch Mario Madness. It's big. It's our friend of the pod, Media Watch Mario. Thanks very much for joining us on the show today, mate. Thanks, boys. Good to be back. A brand new segment with the same old guest host. That's right. Nothing's really changed. It's all very much window dressing on our end. Uh, but look, the first question for you, Mario, this is obviously a very rugby league-centric podcast, so we don't duck any of the big issues here on the show. Coon Cheese says it's changing its name because it's now offensive. Are you happy the brand has finally woken up to itself and come into the 21st century, Mario? Well, my, na- my name is actually Karen, and I'm outraged and offended, and I wish to speak to the management. Well, you know what? This is a perfect segue here for Xander, because Xander took an Uber 
over to the Media Watch Mario Studios today, and his Uber driver was a Karen. Can you tell Mario and our listener Xander about what happened there? Yeah, so there was a literal literal woman named Karen who was about 50 or 60 odd, and it was, it was going great until um, she started telling me about how she's not um, so sure that we're being told the full story about the coronavirus and that she thinks it's a Chinese conspiracy. And, you know, it just went great from there. <laughs> Look, I wanted to crack into some rugby league news here, Mario, because I know you're a Manly fan. Uh, quite a few Manly fans uh, listen to the show, I'm assured. I think it's up to nine. So we're almost cracking double digits. Um, I couldn't start off the show without asking you this. Tommy Turbo, it was reported throughout the week that he's twinged his hamstring. How do you re-aggravate a hammy during rehab? What was he doing? Well, he wasn't doing anything because I don't really think we should be... Um uh, justifying any made-up bullshit from the mole by discussing it, because Des was on the radio that... No, sorry, Dean Ritchie was on the radio that morning saying he'd spoken to Des and the story was complete bullshit and Tommy was due back round 14, as previously stated. See, I've had just about enough of your mole bashing, mate. Um, <laughs> what do you affectionately Sounds refer to him? Sexual. That's it, that's <laughs> it. Oh, you, you affectionately refer to the mole as the melanoma, don't you? Oh, just the... The vermin, there's so many different ways you can describe him. They're all, they're all insulting and they're all accurate. So you're a fan? A big fan. <laughs> so when, in your estimation, will Tommy Turbo be back? Because I have to be honest, I'm a big fan of Manly. I love watching them play, but he is so integral to your team. And, I, and you're still winning games without him, but I don't think you can be a smoky for the premiership without him. When do you think you, he'll be back then if the, uh, the moles fabricated stuff is all bullshit? I'm okay with this unjustified bashing of Brendan the Brave. Last night he he, he was busting tackles, throwing <laughs> offloads, set, get, got a try assist. It was everywhere in defence. Tommy who, I say, Brendan the Brave for PM. <laughs> Can I just say this about Brendan Elliott? Um, he almost looks like he should be an ex- extra in point break or something. He has that kind of weird surfy element to him, doesn't he? He looks like Matthew McConaughey lice. <laughs> As a Manly fan, right, because he's played for the, the brilliant tricolours as well. I mean, we got rid of him after four or five games. We worked out he was cockeyed. But before that, uh, he had a bit of a cult following until we realised he couldn't catch. In terms of Brookvale fans, have they have they gotten on the Brendan the Brave bandwagon? Oh, look, I think it's only the seven listeners of the Screaming Eagles that are actually on board the Brendan bandwagon in reality. I'm not... I'm not a huge fan of the way he um, catches the ball like Billy Slater with the, the knees or legs, you know, raised to sort of kick the person in front of him. I, I don't think that piece of crap koala bastard from Melbourne is the person I want anyone emulating despite his success. <laughs> I love it. I actually saw one last night. He did. He put a knee in the face of a forward there, didn't he? And and they yeah, got the penalty. Hess, so he deserved it. Yeah, Cohen Hess. I mean... A- AKA, you know, the villain out of Rocky Nine. He, he always looks like the guy who should be... I don't know, fighting for the Soviet bloc. He has a real Soviet head, I've found. You don't have to agree. Uh, (laughs) I'll just just leave that out there. Xander does that a lot. But look, Xander, actually, you have a question about uh, Media Watch Mario's Twitter presence, don't you? Yeah, man, I'm really just curious. Um, You know, I I was requested that uh, I come and follow a new account of yours again. And I'm just wondering... You didn't give me too many details, but was it because you changed your logo to a... A dirty V? Oh, I think that would be a very justified reason, but genuinely, I have no idea why I got done this time. I hadn't 
I wasn't running at anybody. I hadn't insulted anybody. I hadn't told anyone to go, you know, lick a, lick a toilet seat covered in coronavirus or anything like that for the, at least a week. So, you're not you're not spreading those those uh, the the NRL QAnon uh, conspiracy theories that um, the the entire game is actually just a giant pedophile ring, and that's that's not what you did. No, I, I, I'm of the opinion that rugby league doesn't even exist because um, Australia doesn't exist. You know, flat Earth theory and all that. <laughs> That's right. We don't exist according to the flat earth. I forgot about that. See, that's a part of their a thesis I wasn't even aware of. Yeah, no, we're 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 um we're apparently a a country that was made up um to hide evidence of British war crimes against their own people mm. because instead of shipping off their criminals, they apparently just executed them. So what they did was they created a story about a country far off, like you know, sending Lassie to the farm kind of thing. Yep. Um and then a whole new story about how, well, actually, they just colonized another country and those people are all well. And all they did was try to commit genocide against an Aboriginal people. Okay. So, you know, it's a really good cover story. Sounds like the story of Captain Cook. Except <laughs> Captain Cook gets a lot of bad raps. Joseph Banks was actually the real bad guy in that ship, not Captain Cook. But anyway. Oh, wow. I can feel a Peter Fitzsimons conversation coming on, Mario. Be careful. <laughs> Mario's, Mario's on the side of uh, Fitzy on this one. I can see it. I mean, Captain Cook didn't exactly stop the atrocities, so I'm not going to say he was a good guy, but he wasn't the one out there saying, kill them all, kill them all. That was Banks. Direct quote, I take it. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure that was word for word, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a classic botanist for you, isn't it? Just absolute vitriol going after people's blood. But look, we will direct things very briefly back onto Rugby League Mario. Cade Cust. Now, uh, you've been very vocal about Mr. Cust uh, coming into the Manly team, and you've also been vocal about Dylan Walker getting out of your team. Uh, I think it's vindication for your point of view in the last couple of weeks because Mr. Cust has played particularly well in the number six. How have you seen it? I was a bit... Of, unless it just hasn't updated, I was looking at the um, at the League Live player stats and it has Cade Custer's zero try assist for the year and he very, very clearly got a try assist with DCE last night. So I'm wondering if it just hadn't updated because that seemed a bit off, but... I've obviously been very happy with my boy Cade Cust and everything he's been doing. He's been aiming up in defence. He's dangerous every time he gets the ball. He's, you know, good kicks into the end goal. He's doing everything you, anyone can ask of a number six. He's a new Kieran Four, and it just we just need Manly fans and Dez to realise that without the hamstring injuries. That's right. You think Dez would be onto that? Surely he's convinced Dez by now that he's a a starting first grader. And as you said, I actually see him as a really grizzled. F- like rugby league player, he's not prepared to put. He's prepared to put his body on the line and actually take it on. And he doesn't care about the hits he cops, which is about thirteen or fourteen major brain hemorrhages a game. And I love a rugby league player that's prepared to put their cognitive health behind the performance of the team. And I want to ask you this question, Mario, before we do have some breaking news, which is coming up. Um, have you already started a petition to have Dylan Walker publicly flogged and deported? Because you need to get him maybe out of Brookvale and out of Manly for Kay Cust to get in that team. Maybe just, I don't know, send an Xbox to Iran and hope he follows it or something. Yeah, the problem is, I think with my history, if I do that, Twitter will just ban me again in a heartbeat. The, the petition will go nowhere. I need to do it on the Silvertails forum or something. Maybe, mate. Well, that's what they call Twitter carryover points. When you have a history, when you have a record... Mario, before you go, mate, breaking news, as I said before, this has just happened. We're recording here on the Saturday at 2.39pm. Dave Fafida has reportedly signed a massive deal 
for the Gold Coast Titans. What's the figure there, uh, Xander? Three point five million three over three half, years. Three yeah. years, three and a half million dollars. Mario, reflect on that in the moment for me. Is this a good or bad move from David Fafita? Backflipped, and what we're hearing this week is actually backflipped, 
and he's heading off to rugby union on a $3 million contract. So it's been reported. But it's interesting, you've been telling me off mic that there's a little bit more to this story. And I am torn because I don't like rugby union and I'm not a big fan of Souths. And both of them seem to be the bad guy. Tell us what you, what you think of this situation. Are you saying that uh, Souths are actually maybe misleading the narrative here? Yeah, so I mean, the initial reports that came out uh, were that, yeah, that he'd signed, you know, a $3 million deal with rugby, um, you know, to go and play for the Waratahs and a bunch of other things. Uh, it was disputed by Rugby Australia and the, re- the reporting by Andrew Webster and the Herald was that actually, um, according to the highly placed sources in, in Rugby Australia, that it's 80% less than that. So roughly uh, 200 grand a year is what they're offering him. And what was Souths reportedly offering him? Um, Souths were offering him, I think... It was in the millions, Yeah, it was it? in the millions. So it was, it was, it was um, a three-year three year deal worth like two or like 1.7 or $2 million. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm sure yeah. it was one point something million. So what you're saying is this young man has decided to go to rugby union for far less money? Could that be right? Yeah, well, that, that's the, the sort of wrinkle in it, is that um, supposedly... Uh, well, he met with Dave Rennie for one thing. And, you know, I mean, Souths sort of like to paint themselves as the... Um, the Indigenous Club. Um, and Can you, they for the, the listeners, tell everyone who Dave Rennie is? Yeah, so Dave Rennie's the, the Wallabies coach. He used to coach uh, the Chiefs in New Zealand rugby. Um, he's famous in New Zealand rugby for being somebody who is really um, tight with the Polynesian community and really good at, um, uh, you know, having a lot of respect for the culture. He's got a Polynesian background himself, I believe. Mm. Um, and he met with the kid and uh, apparently uh, it sounds as though yeah, there's been a strong connection there. A little bit like Latrell with Souths. Yeah, right. They've kind of done that with this kid. You so know, there's where, a bit of a cultural match. Yeah, yeah. Where they've, you know, where you, you come... Uh, be coached by by Dave Rennie, you know he gets you know he gets the culture and all the rest of it. Um, but you know South Sydney have a rich history of having Polynesian infusion, don't they, in their club as well? They have a rich history of being British. Um, <laughs> I feel like I teed you uh, up there to just <laughs> slam South, South Sydney. South as much. claim to have, have a rich history of every everything that that will suit their interest at a specific moment. Um, They've got a rich you know, history of B grade films. They do. Rusty. <laughs> they do, but no, they don't. They don't have a, a rich history of integrating Polynesian talent. Um, I'm sorry, but it's just not true. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, wait, do you push back on that just because of your aversion to the club, or is there some objective truth in that? I push back on it because I don't like. Scouts. Okay, fair enough. No, that's all right. Anyway, then proceed no. with your point. So, but but that was the, that was the sort of the context of it, right? Right. Was that you know Rennie's somebody who really gets it, and that he would come to Rugby Australia and uh, there wouldn't be just the opportunity for him to play in Super Rugby or whatever, but he could potentially also represent Australia at sevens in the Olympics. Okay. Is Um, that a mantle to play? I know the Olympics is, I mean, it's still a high mantle, but it feels like a fading brand to me. Um, But the sevens, is it it revered in Rugby Union? Because you'd know this more than I do. I, I thought that it was more about the, you know, the, is it 15 men? I don't even know that. Is it a 15 man game? Yeah, it's a 15 yeah. man game. Um, yeah. Then the sevens. Is the sevens seen as a high bar? Is that is that enough of an incentive for him to backflip? So the sevens is massive. Sevens is a much faster growing sport than 15s because it's an Olympic sport. Right. Um, so it's. In it, my head, I go, fair call. Everything's better than Union. <laughs> well, it's more entertaining. Um, it, it, it is like Union has gotten slower and more technical, and Sevens Sevens is so high profile now because every, like now that it's an Olympic sport, it opened the way for all kinds of government funding around the world, which was the reason they were pushing so hard. And the Chinese, it's interesting, it's had, it had a dual effect, right? It's it's boosted the profile of Sevens massively, but it's also resulted in a divestment from the fifteen man game. So there were more universities in that playing fifteen man rugby same in Asia, but since 
the sevens has become an Olympic sport because of every, every country wants to push national prestige. They've taken money out of 15 rug, man rugby programs and put it all into sevens. Interesting. So there has been a, a, yeah. a channel of money towards this new branch of, of union. So well, it's, it's like the 2020 yeah. version. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's an old, old brand of uh, rugby. It's just that it's now in the Olympics. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so let's, let's go to this story in terms of South Sydney's role because you're also making the claim that there's been a bit of a misinformation campaign from the club. Is so, that right? Regarding the actual figure? That's the suggestion is that it was put out by South's officials who were disgruntled and shitty. And, and uh, our Webster talks about how there's a, a South tragic who was trying to bring him over, like some, you know, profile who was claiming to be his agent but wasn't and just doing a few dodgy things i can't remember his name but Coda nasa <laughs> no what was his he, i'll pull it up for you art dealer steve uh Nesteski, a south tragic who was best mates with craig wing and unsuccessfully tried to lure uh, rajaraja to south last year and apparently he was describing himself to people as Su- uh, suali's advisor but uh they say that that has been massively overcooked and so they, he must have some connection with him because even your, your textbook fraudster wouldn't come out to the media and say, oh, I'm advising someone if they've never met him. I think his kid was in a, a sports competition with Suwali and he spotted him and he tried to steer him towards South. Geez, that's some pretty weak connective tissue. Yeah, oh, no, no, but like he, he got involved and, and I think put him into the South Juniors program and okay. all the rest of it, right? And that's kind of where it went. So from. he wasn't the shady uncle yeah. that, that may have touched kids. He, he actually has some kind of professional involvement with him. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. I don't, I don't think they've accused him of pedophilia. In all of this, because obviously the, the dispersion that's been thrown at Rugby Union has been that, you know, they, they've got a very diminishing money pool, the broadcast rights deal, that sports in not the greatest shape in the world. There's been $3 million thrown mm. at this kid. You're saying that that's been over-exaggerated. Yeah, so according to Webster and tend to find he's pretty reliable in getting his facts like right. Webby, yeah. yeah. He's I just think... on Twitter. Big shout out to Webby. He's only joined Twitter in the last yeah, no, five seen or that. six days. So. No, I mean, amongst all the sports journals, I've seen he's very, very rarely wrong. And yeah. so I suspect that this is this is right. But he, they're claiming that um, South's people have put this rumour out there to just try and damage Rugby Australia, to try and force a backflip back to them. Mm. They're wanting to cause conflict within rugby knowing that players have had to take pay cuts and the game's on its knees. Yeah. So it's a bit of skullduggery. Very South Sydney, isn't it? So what Just very th- scummy, <laughs> vermin. So what you're thinking Sorry. in a weird Machiavellian type of way, <laughs> that there's still a chance that this Joseph Suwali kid could end up at Redfern. Well, that, that's, that seems to be the calculus uh, there, that they, they put the figure out there to try and put pressure on them. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And have you seen much video footage of this kid play? Because... By all accounts. Yeah, I've seen a few tapes. He, okay, yeah. and, and honestly, I, I plead ignorance here. I haven't seen much of it. Is he as good as everyone is yeah, saying? Like, I mean, it's, it's it's high school footy, you know. I mean, he, he's a big kid. He's 196 centimetres tall. And, yeah, he just, he's he's agile. He's fast. He's big. Um, is he a centre? What does he play? No, he's a wing. He's a wing? Yeah. We're, doing, we're talking about all this for a fucking winger? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Well, well yeah. yeah. But he's, you know, they, they, they're seeing him, I think, as the, the next Israel Folau. So he'll be preaching hate towards homosexuals soon too. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Uh, Xander, we're talking Anthony Seabold. You remember him. He's the guy who went up to Brisbane with a, with a brilliant reputation, uh, a fair few degrees, I think maybe a doctorate or two. And now the whole city hates him. Uh, they want his blood. 
it, things aren't going well up there. And the question we're asking on the show today is, when should Anthony Seabold leave the Brisbane Broncos? Because that seems inevitable, doesn't it? That might sound like a really horribly finalistic question to pose today, but I can't see him lasting at even the season, personally. So how do you see the rest of 2020 for Anthony Seabold? <laughs> like a waking nightmare, right? I mean, it's just... It... Yeah, I never thought I'd feel sorry for him because of all the press he got when he was going up to Brisbane, like the the famous cutout of, you know, this man will win a premiership, mm. just all the arrogance around it. I, but watching him the last few weeks, he, he just looks like a defeated man in those press conferences. And clearly the, um, the Broncos board, because they made such a big call to sign him for so long and it's just not working out. I mean, they've had their problems, but, you know, mm. there's a lot of... Like with 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 injury, but obviously also well documented in their recruitment. More generally, they are, they are going to have to probably sack themselves if they sack him. So I think there's a they're tethered to him. Yeah. So I think I think you know he's going to be there, and it's all, but at this point, you know I think if he had the choice, he probably would would just take a job in the Super League or something if there was no COVID because he needs he needs to get out. I think I agree with you. I, I think reading between the lines when you watch these press conferences which are almost unprecedented in how solemn they are because you said before, he does look like a shattered man. Mm. I mean, last year wasn't a great year for them. They scraped in eighth before getting thumped by Parramatta by about 50 points in that first finals game. But they still made the finals. You wouldn't call that an F. But so far, the season for the Brisbane Broncos has been an abject failure. And that kind of weird tinge of arrogance that Anthony Seabold had last year where he was deflecting a lot of the blame... Uh, he was quoting stats from other teams, famously Luke Keery yeah. saying, well, Luke Keery's missed way more you know, tackles than our halves. That fight's gone right out of him. He's now just a deflated balloon. Um, he's a used condom, essentially. Everything's been blown out, and now people want to dispose of him. I've noticed in the press conferences this year, he's not even trying to put up those kind of defences mm. anymore. The press releases are gone. <laughs> he's not even trying that anymore. And his language, Xander, is all about, well, you know, I think I'm still the man to take the, the team forward and, and if the board want to sack me, they can do it. It's their call. I think he is actually saying, please sack me. Like an injured husky in the snow, please, Inuit, come and put a double-barrel shotgun in my mouth and blow my head off because I'm done. That's the traditional Inuit way of putting down their dogs. Yeah, and they're um, elderly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been a sorry sight. Like he he, yeah. The press conferences, he's he's just being forced. It's almost torture at this point because every week they they go out and like. I mean, you had to feel bad they were playing the bloody storm yesterday. Um, but every week they go out and they play. You know, a new side. Um, they have to go through it all again. They're not winning. You know, they've they've managed to scrape a win against the Bulldogs, which <laughs> which is not a good. Which, when you have to say I scraped a win against the Bulldogs, it was a bludger of a game too, right? Yeah. And they and they they no celebrated one like to be there. yeah, like they celebrated like they won the grand final, and you're like, oh, this is, this is not going to be good. But yeah, every week he's had to front the press conference and have the same questions asked to him. And I mean, I'm not surprised for that reason that he's he's just starting to, you know, not really even respond. Like yeah, he's very despondent, mm. and they're asking him uh, repeatedly very pointed questions about his future. And I think for some reason, Anthony Seabold, if he has a weakness, and clearly he has many, um, media training, I think, is one of them. Because when they ask, uh, the journos, that is, in the press bit, these pointed questions about his future, he doesn't deflect them at all. And he kind of just answers them very directly, but but not emphatically at the same mm. time. So he's like, oh, 
yeah, I mean, I think I should be here. You know, yeah. there's no sort of sense of certainty about his future. I think he's resigned himself mm. to the fact that this job is too big for him. And I mean, what a temptation it must have been for him. He's a fairly new coach. He had some, you know, moderate to immediate success with South Sydney. Mm. Went up there on a massive contract with big raps. Everyone was on the Anthony Seabold train, but it's been derailed now. <laughs> and he's now in probably the most high-pressure position there is in rugby league, which is coaching the, the Brisbane Broncos, which is arguably the number one franchise and, and the number one team that's important to the league who don't accept failure. And they're failing horribly. Mm. They've, it's, they've never had failure on this level before. So the amount of animosity that's happening like north of the border is... I've never seen it before. It must be an unusually pressurised position for a coach to be in. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse now that Fafita's decided to sign with the Titans, right? Because yeah. it's just showing that you know they're not they're not a club that a player will will stay at for less money for aspirational reasons is what it's showing. And they've got all the resources at their disposal. Like this is a a club that you know has a, a fairly large reservoir of players to pick from ordinarily, um, and it just seems as though that you know I'd say half. Half the squad don't seem to be to want to be there, mm. which is a, an unusual thing to see. And I'm going to put this out there. I'm, I'm assuming that there have been other uh, sections of the press that have already put this out there. But it, I think there's actually a large section of the team that's deliberately throwing these games. <laughs> like when I say throwing is maybe an exaggeration, but they're not. That's coming. a big allegedly uh, <laughs> just for the lawyers. Yeah, out there. Throwing is probably too strong a term to use, but they are not putting a hundred percent in. Mm. And I'm talking about your Darius Boyds, your Anthony Milfords. I've got to say, uh, Pangai Jr. is playing well. Payne Haas is playing well. Mm. That's kind of it. Uh, Katoni Staggs, when he's there, plays well. Mm. Yeah, Staggs is good. But there's a number of players that there's obviously a major disconnect going on with the coach. That's a fair thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, there was a couple of uh, last week's game, shots of the dressing room. Mm. Um, just players looking up at Anthony Seabold as he's giving the halftime talk, and yeah, they're just not not uh, not responding positively. We'll put it that way. Yeah, a number of them are on their iPhones. Yeah. They were playing Angry Birds. I could see that even through the CCTV. So they, I don't think he has their one hundred percent attention, which gives us, I guess, to the next segue, which is what should Anthony Seabold do next? Because clearly, coaching Xander, I don't think is his gig. For him, I, I actually think it, maybe he almost would benefit from, from doing a couple of years in the Super League or something. Mm. Like a, a, a league in one of the lower teams where there's a little bit less expectation. Yep. Um, Should he do a couple of years in Afghanistan? Should feel, do some military service? I feel like that's, that's probably going to be easier than where he's at now. I think so. I think at the end of the day, uh, there'd be more pressure on him in his current position than actually going over there and trying to take on a, a splinter cell in Kabul. Agreed. Do you reckon Wayne's really happy about what's happening up there? Because obviously Wayne Bennett wanted to stick around for a little bit longer before mm. he went to South Sydney. Last year, very famously, uh, South did well against the Broncos and Wayne was pretty happy about that. Remember the big dance, the old man dance? Yeah, the jig. He was doing yeah. the jitterbug. I think he rattled one of his patellas off that day, which was so it's a bit of a bittersweet moment for Wayne. But he's been very happy, I think, to see the failure going on there. Do you think Wayne Bennett's a potential to even return to Brisbane? Because he's he's already indicated he's not going to stay long-term at South. I wonder if the board would be able to swallow their pl- their pride to, to take him back. Because yeah, they were fucking horrible to him. Yeah, you know, I mean... They called him a geriatric fucking nobody. Who says that to someone? 
So Get off to a fucking booper retirement home, you old cunt. Remember it, they said that? They it, should never have said that. It does. It does it does remind me, though, of, of uh, uh, Webby's big shout-out to Webby again. You're getting a lot of uh, lot of features on this particular episode. But he, he talked about the, the process the board went through to hire Seabold. And, yeah, well, they interviewed Walters... Uh, Kevin, Kevin, yeah, 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 and and uh, Bennett, and, and it was funny, like the way at the time prior to us, you know, having this experience with Seabold, where he's just in such a hole, it sounded so promising. Yeah, but um, they talked about how, um, yeah, you know, Bennett, oh, Walters went in and just gushed about how much he loved the club and how much it means to him, mm. and they're like, yeah, okay, good interview, um, and passion, yeah, whatever, yeah, get the fuck out. You know, Seabold came in and like, you know, wowed them with this stats heavy PowerPoint presentation with, um, you know, all of this, all of this analytics and talking, you know, with a five year plan, really detailed stuff, very Harvard. And then Bennett comes in uh, last and he goes, yeah, seven premierships, enough said. <laughs> yeah, apparently they decided that they'd go with the guy with the PowerPoint plan. I see. Yeah. See, the way I heard it was, it was whoever won uh, the best of three playing Connect Four. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're still talking Queensland, Xander. Uh, this time we're talking about one Paul Green. He has decided, well, he didn't decide it, actually. The board decided that Paul Green needed to be moved on. Um, he's been pretty adamant during the week that, you know, this isn't the end of his coaching career. Uh, I get the feeling that Paul Green has a plan in mind. I think he's been in dialogue with a team. He seems very smug and confident is how I would describe his demeanour in the media since the announcement. So the board have said, we no longer want you here. We're not quite sure what the Cowboys' plans are, but we're going to start with Paul Green. Where do you think he should go next? Because it looks as though in 2021 he will have a home. Where will Green end up in your opinion? I mean, my sense is probably somewhere like the Warriors, right? Interesting. Okay, so you don't think Toddy Payton is the person to take the Warriors forward. Because we've already noted in the last week, you and I, that Todd Payton has the persona of, I'm going to use your words here, a mob boss. Who maybe is the, exactly the kind of personality that the Warriors need because they have lacked a bit of mongrel from the top. So not not so much the persona of a mob boss. He just kind of looks a little bit like a standover. I mean, he, he kind of looks like one of Tony Soprano's goons standing, a standing in the coach's box. Yeah, like if you didn't eat enough meters during the first half, I think he would put a bullet through the temple <laughs> if he needed to. And that's what you need in a coach, right? Someone that's really to, you know, fire the hot lead around a bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> that and tactics. Yeah, it's uh, not really about the tactics. <laughs> it's more about th- the violence you bring I, to I the I had role. to think about that for a minute. I'm like, is it really something you need in a coach to be able to... It worked for threaten, Jack Gibson. ...threaten people with hot lead? <laughs> not a semi-automatic. Like, it has to be a, a sort of Cougar Magnum. It has to be a single, a single handgun. Because otherwise, I think then you've been unethical. <laughs> if you... If you open up... Sort you of want to like, give them a fighting chance. Exactly. Um, you don't want to be like... <laughs> you know, you want to actually give them a chance to fire back. Um, but if we're going to talk we're, about... We're cutting that. <laughs> we're going to go to Paul Green here. What is it that Paul Green would bring to the New Zealand Warriors that they haven't already had? Because, let's face it, they never won a premiership. What would a Paul Green bring? Because we have to admit, I'd say from, say, 2017, 2018 onwards, Paul Green... Uh, that team up in Townsville hasn't presented a lot. In fact, I'd say from 2018, 2019, 2020, that's three consecutive seasons now of not looking dangerous. They've looked stale. They even looked stale in Jonathan Thurston's last season. Does that say something about the coach? I mean, what, should we be this confident that he should get mm. another gig? Yeah, it's a fair question. I mean, 
his tenure was punctuated by, I think, the best periods of, of Jonathan Thurston. And you, mm. you do kind of wonder um, if maybe the game's moved on a little bit as well. But just the lack of that creative um, half in their side that can that can create stuff out of nothing. You wonder how much of it was, was Green's coaching when, when they won in 2015. Like, there was obviously a lot of lot of steel in that side. They, they won some great games. Um, obviously, the grand final being, like, one of the greatest. Um, mm. But he's one of those coaches that might have been at one club for too long. Mm. So I'm I'm kind of in two minds wondering if it's if it's really the loss of Thurston and in uh, the inability to adapt to that change and the current changes in the in the um, the game, mind you, they were awful in the first round. Or if it's he's been in that system for too long and maybe he needs a new new environment. I don't know, but yeah, because I think it all, you always worry about a team that uh, that has sh- sort of shown no evolution, and I feel like the North Queensland Cowboys are that team that feel like they're almost in a time void. So for three consecutive years, they've sort of brought the same battle plan that's been unsuccessful in all three years. I, I honestly think there's also a, a symptom that their roster needs to, yeah. you know, a bit of a clean out as well. I think, you know, your likes of Gavin Cooper, um, for example, probably needs to go. Uh, he almost got a try this weekend. But because he's so not used to getting anywhere near a try, he fucked it up. I don't know if you <laughs> saw that. He was over the line and he went... I could reach for oh, it, but I'm yeah. not supposed to score. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't do it. Um, so there's sort of a few people in that mould um, that aren't going so well. Maybe there's a little bit, to be fair to Green, needs to be a bit of a clean out there as well. But I just don't think the battle plan has changed. And mm. from what I understand, Michael Morgan and Paul Green don't get on, and that's a huge part of it mm. too because without Jonathan Thurston, Michael Morgan is the linchpin to that team doing anything good. And I know he's been out injured, but even when he's been there... He hasn't been the same Michael Morgan, you know, from 2015, 16, 17. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I think I think he's a kind of player that actually kind of requires uh, an, a creative half to, to you know, balance him, his play. Yeah. And, yeah, they, had, they just haven't had it. Is Paul Green maybe physically too small to be a coach in the NRL? Them. Oh, yeah, maybe. I feel like there should be a height requirement on NRL coaches because how, how seriously are the players taking him in the dressing room? I mean, he sits at a, a pretty lofty three foot nine. How uh, tall is Seabold? Uh, how tall is his ego or the physical <laughs> man himself? I can tell you how tall his therapy bills are, uh, which have really been mounting up over the last 12 months. But I don't know. Maybe I see him in the dressing room. Obviously, we get no audio. But on the CCTV, I see him sometimes, Paul Green, trying to rev up his team. And I, and I don't see a lot of reaction. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he has the, the body of a 11-year-old schoolboy. This is true, but he did win a premiership. Hmm. So, I mean, it, it worked at a certain point. Maybe he just maybe maybe he had a bit more Joe Pesci going back in those days, <laughs> and uh, he needs to needs to channel some of that. Needs maybe to knife right. a guy in the neck. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was calling half of his team degenerate gamblers and fucking putting the knife into their jugular. Maybe we need more of that in coaching. I think I brought it up already on the hot show. Hot lead, hot lead, violence. Yeah. You name it. I think it should definitely be more Queensland prevalent. Cowboys need more mafia. That's, that's <laughs> the, the key takeaway from this segment. All right. So Paul Green, he's no longer at the Cowboys. You think he's going to the Warriors. The next question is, who should be the head coach at the Cowboys? So at the moment, they've got Josh Hannay, who's stepped into the role. For me, he looks a bit too cross-eyed uh, to be the head coach. Um, but who should be their full-time? Who are they targeting, the Cowboys here? So they've talked about Kevin Walters, um, and apparently the Queensland Rugby League have given their blessing if he wants to go for that job. Mm. 
So that'd be interesting. Does that mean he, he couldn't be the Maroons coach yeah, anymore? Yeah, because it has to be a full-time coach. Does it now. have to be? Well, what, I mean... What rule says that? I know it has been the way of things. But it's apparently just the way that... I mean, I know it's it, it may not be a hard and fast rule, but it's it's the way that Origin is now being coached and they're not... Do you think that's a bit bullshit? I always feel like that's like not necessarily have to be the way things are. I feel like as soon as Mao Meninga started yeah. winning and he's not the coaching genius that we think he is, mind you, that everyone went, well, that should be the template. Oh, look, Mao Meninga's winning with this amazing team and he can't get a first-grade coach gig. Therefore, that must be the way Origin's coached. I always feel like it started there and I don't even think it's necessarily a, a thing that needs to be followed. But Yeah. I mean, I, I think, for example, I think if Trent Robinson stepped in to the New hmm. South Wales Blues, he'd do really, really well. I'm, I'm sure he would and he'd be perfect for that environment. Um, but I do think it's a really, it's a fundamentally different style of coaching. And I think that's, that's where the recognition came is that, yeah. you know, you don't have too much time with these guys together and it's, um, you know, it's more about, um, getting the team to gel as quickly as possible and, and rev them up. Yep. You can't spend a ton of time high, like, uh, analyzing and preparing detailed game plans. So it's more about, it's more about getting the emotion going. That's a fair call. Way to throw some facts mm. in my face. That was a brutal of you. Um, Kevin Walters, I actually think he could be a good prospect for the Cowboys because I think he's a, a decent coach, but he obviously wanted that gig at Brisbane, didn't get it. Um, a lot of the old guard at Brisbane think that Kevy should be in charge of Brisbane. The only fly in the ointment might be Kevin Walters thinking, if I could just wait Seabold out another few weeks because he's gone soon, surely that job is mine. Yeah, but is it? I mean, that's the that's the thing. The, I mean, the, who would the Broncos go outside yeah. of Kevy? Who the, would they want? The board have continually come up and backed him and said he's got a five year deal. Um, I know. So you know, but you know that about boards, they will back you all the way up until the moment you're sacked. Question I've got though, it, it's it's not even just about um, whether Seabold's going to hang around. I mean, does Walters want to go into that shit show? <laughs> like, I mean, true. Do, if he's looking at it, does he think you know what? It's probably less of a mess if I went into the Cowboys. There's, there's more to work with there. At least I've got Lolo. They don't even have Fafita anymore in Brisbane. You know, no, what would I be right. going into? We were talking about this off mic, and I know this is a bit of a digression on what we were talking about, but obviously Queensland Rugby League 2020 has not been kind to it. Out of the three Queensland teams, which team would you like to be the coach of? Because they're all struggling. Hmm. But which team do you think's performed the best so far in 2020? Yeah, I, I think it's the Titans, without a doubt. Like, I think the Titans have... That's have, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, like, even in the games they've lost, they've put in more than the, um, the, the Cowboys or the Broncos. And they've won a couple good games. Hmm. Um, you know, everyone expects them to lose every game, but they've won a couple good games. And they do have talented players in that side. It's just that they've, they've always, you know, played with no heart and no, no yeah. brains, right? <laughs> and Holbrook seems to have instilled a fair bit of uh, grit into that side. Yeah. And now that they are in games, they're actually able to... You, you're seeing a little bit of Ash Taylor that's, you know, mm. somewhat uh, resemblant of the, the promise that he had when he was signed on all that money. Yeah. You know, whereas we haven't seen it at all because they've just, you know, like they spend all, all game, you know, behind their goalposts watching other teams convert. They, know? Have, a, they have a great view from there. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they've learned a lot about conversions uh, in their last three or four years, the Titans. But I, I tell you, the one little uh, trap that I think the Titans keep falling into, and I feel like the David Fafita news that's broken today only cements that a little bit more, is the fact that, you know, they keep trying to buy their way out of trouble, you know, and they've got this, obviously they've got a, a fair bit of, uh, you know, money under the cap, 
but because they can't attract a lot of people up there. But, you know, when they finally do get a name, they pay them overs mm. by a fair margin. And that prevents them from getting a lot more of those mid-tier players. I, for me, if I had their checkbook, I'd say forget going after your David Fafitas for millions of dollars a year. Let's just open up on the, the lower to mid-tier players and get a shitload of them. That way I could help to replenish that roster quicker. I can ease out those players that are on too much money. And it's also, if you've got a good coach, if you really believe in Justin Holbrook, and he actually he looks decent from what I can tell and the way that they're playing, then he'll develop those lower mid-tier type players presumably into something a little bit better if they develop a culture up there. And they're all playing for their futures. They're not secure. Whereas if you've, Dave's a Fafita, the temptation there is he goes there on one point, whatever it is, a year, and goes, great, well, I'm probably not here to win premierships, but my future is secure financially. And is he going to put in 110? You know, that's the fear, isn't mm. it? Because And history tells us their big signings, they don't put in what they what they had been before. At, at the Gold Coast, they don't. Um, I, I guess the reason they went after him so hard is because they see Fafita <clears throat> as somebody who in a not very good um, Broncos side has always put in. Yeah. Um, so He's the only guy that can understand Seabold's blueprints, yeah, yeah. apparently. His <laughs> PowerPoint prezos, David Fafita's all over it. Yeah, but I hear he's a Yale man, so, you know, <laughs> doesn't get on with Seabold. He, he beats him on the fucking, <laughs> in the rowing team. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the the logic that has been wheeled out by them has been that, oh, it's, it's the... Um, uh, the South's model from the mid noughties where, you know, they'll they get what Asatasi and a couple of big name forwards oh, and there's they, a blast from the past. Yeah, right. Roy Asatasi. But that was that was the thinking, right? They they signed him probably on more than he was worth at the time. And then he acts as a bit of a beacon that you can recruit some other players. And they can still move on some of those those guys that are on a bit too much money at the moment. But yeah. as long as you've got one really strong, consistent leader who is somebody people want to play with and behind Maybe I mean, yeah. maybe that's you know, and you might be right. You might he might go there and just like cash his check like half of them have, and they and know. they're on the Gold Coast. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, they are the transit lounge of the of the um, the twenty tens, right? Mm. Like you know where we were at in the eighties and early nineties. I never cared for that slur against the Roosters. <laughs> thank you very much. The latte fucking transit lounge. <laughs> I can tell you, in the 80s, if you talk about the late 80s, it was a transit lounge of fucking nowhere, that's yeah. for sure. Who do we have in there? Craig Salvatore getting a mystery flight to Tassie. It was shit. <laughs> Every now and then, Kurt Sherlock played well. But apart from that, let's not digress. I want to quickly go back to uh, to, Paul, to Paul Green and the Cowboys here because the other little rumour going around is that Paul Green might be biding his time to be the inaugural coach of the second Brisbane team. Now, if you were to launch that uh, franchise, say it's the, what were they called again? The Firebirds? No, they were the, something yeah, the, the, like that. the Brisbane Firehawks. Firehawks, yeah. that's the one. So if you were, for example, it was the Firehawks, they're coming in in 2022. Paul Green, is he the man you want at the helm as your inaugural coach? Oh, it doesn't inspire confidence, does it? It doesn't, you, does it? You want, you want Bellamy. You want to go big. Yeah. You don't want to go the smallest coach. You, you want think, the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, Bellamy. You want Daryl Broman. Bellamy's apparently not going to coach on uh, at the Storm after his contract is concluded. Although he says shit like that all the time, and then when it gets to the no, crunch... Cam Smith says that all the time, <laughs> and Cam Smith keeps fucking playing. Does he say that, though? I think Cam Smith kept, keeps stum. I think he says fuck all and doesn't give the media anything. anything. No, last year he said he was going to 
Think about it. Remember? Think about of, it. Exactly. Yeah. That's vague language in itself. Yeah, but that's he's, he's opening it up. Yeah, fair enough. You and know, so he should. He's, he's 35, isn't he? He's 37, mate. 37. He's 37 years 37. old. What the fuck is he still doing out there? How Cam, good. retire, mate. <laughs> All jokes aside, that's fucking freakish, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's, um, 37. You're almost 40, mm. and you're still playing well. That's the thing. It's easy to be 37 and getting carved up in the NRL. Anyone can fucking... I could do that. Same age. Mm. Um, but he... He's actually still playing really well. Yeah, to be fair to him, he's still wing nutting them as well as he used to. He's still putting the old fucking knee into the sternum. He's still he's still uh, blackmailing the referees by keeping their children hosti- hostage in a basement uh, <laughs> yeah. out at Western New South Wales. He's calling captains challenges even though he hasn't got any up his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, still... "I want to fuck another one, please." <laughs> and they give them to him. Yeah, why not? But no, the only other player I can think of respect your elders. Um, who's who's who played on that long and that successfully was Brad Thorne. And even yeah. even for him, but mind you, his was a harder position. Like let's not give harder position, and he had the competitive advantage, as we've spoken of, of having the pituitary disease, uh, <laughs> an overactive <laughs> gland, uh, which made him essentially a villain in a Game of Thrones context. And I think to be fair, Thorne won more legitimate titles. I think he did, yeah. yeah. And he also, I think, raped and pillaged way more than Cameron Smith. In the mid noughties he had a real purple patch in Southeast Asia, uh, as a sort of marauding sort of Genghis Khan type. It, it's not well reported. He did look a little. He did play for the Crusaders. <laughs> he, did, he could do anything, yeah. Thorne. He could rule the Western world if he wanted to, or the Eastern. Just can't coach. No, that's not his thing. Wayne Bennett, well, as before we wrap up this segment, which, by the way, has gone fucking everywhere for too many wines, but um, that, that next Brisbane team, what are the chances of Wayne Bennett? Well, I think that's, that's the other significant uh, option, right? Because he doesn't. I, I think Wayne will, will coach until he is physically dragged out of that coaching box. <laughs> Like, you know, he had that book, Don't Let the Music Die on You. He wrote it 10 years ago about people talking about his potential retirement. He's still fucking going. So I think, I think what he was trying to tell us is the music does not stop and neither does he. Um, so I think that, yeah, he'd be looking for... I, I think he'd love the opportunity to go up there and coach the new Brisbane team. That book's a farce now that it's 10 yeah, years know, after right? and you're still kicking. <laughs> You know, like you, can't, you, you can't. It's like reading your writing your own obituary, like you know, when you're thirty. Exactly. And you, and you, but yeah, because he he wrote that. Like I think people thought he was on the way out. He was sixty two or something, mm. and now he's what one hundred and five. Yeah, because um, he's aging faster yeah. than normal Earth years. Uh, based in, on ages, his face, he ages in dog years. <laughs> Do you know what? Wayne Bennett reminds me of the type of guy that if we flash forward two or three years, because he'll never retire. I don't know if you ever saw this story. There was a uh, every year Norway holds a sauna championship, and being the sport aficionado that I am, I, I keep track of those kind of events. And uh, there was a few years ago, a guy was a uh, it's whoever lasts longer in the sauna, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And there was a guy in there, and it was down to two world champs, and one guy bailed out. And even when the you're the last person standing, yet you stay in there because it's all about personal uh, personal bests and records mm. and those kind of things. And this guy was carving, right? And the whole point in a, sa- in a sauna is to actually get into a restful position, lower your heart rate, and just breeze through it. This guy was sort of crouched over. And they're, they're commentating this guy, and it's been about <laughs> like 12 hours. I, I know where this is going. Yeah. Anyway, oh, God. they realized this guy had carked it probably like 14 hours ago. But they'd been watching him in the still position for ages going, Go, son! In Norwegian, obviously. They weren't saying it in English. And Wayne Bennett reminds me of the type of guy that might be like that. Like, he'd be coaching in the box, and it might be four or five rounds into a season when they go, 
I think Wayne's dead. <laughs> I think it's weekend at Bernie's. I think I think Dimitri is just keeping him up there on stilts. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Well, today we're finishing uh, with a segment where we play Fortune Teller. They get a bad rap in 2020 for the whole crystal ball and telling lies thing. But I think for us, it's important that we put our rugby league expertise to the test and we let our listeners know where we think uh, the teams will finish by the end of 2020. Now, we put out one at the beginning of the season, uh, which we're not going to go into. They were wildly inaccurate. Uh, but we're going to do another one now, mid-season, and uh, let you guys know where we think teams will finish. And we're probably going to start with you here, mate. It doesn't have to be in any particular order. Uh, but based on the current round and, and, and who everyone plays, who do you think will be the top eight by the end of the, was it 20 rounds? Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's going to look terribly different to what we've got at the moment. I reckon, I think Panthers will be minor premiers, um, get the minor premiership. Wow, that's a big call. They are playing brilliantly, I th- though. I, I, I don't think any any team is playing as well as them at the moment. In what all about honesty. the Storm? Do you think they, 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 they strike me as a candidate that might get the minor premiership? Oh, they, they could, but the Panthers beat them and beat them well when they played them not too long ago, and I was really impressed. That was by their the best way. game of the year, actually, the Panthers, I thought. But they, they, they just don't lose at the moment, right? They... they keep winning and I, I think that they they have a really really um, uh, well balanced side I think should they be um, premiership favourites for you should they be ahead of the Chooks at the moment based on injuries yeah I think yeah. I think I think um, we have a we have a really um, troubled roster at the moment um, and uh, it's going to be they haven't got many players out at all no I, from from memory I don't I, there's no major no major injuries that I'm aware of that they have like they, they, them and the storm have both had the the least injury concerns so yeah, far yeah I think you're right and in fact they've got great depth because mm. they've got that Burton kid who can't make the fucking yeah, run on that's right um, who I think's ahead of Luai I think I might be in a minority there but I think he's he's going to be the player of the future not Luai uh, but Luai's not playing badly having said that but I agree with you it's hard to throw the Panthers back in your face. I think they're definitely going to be well entrenched in that top four. So you think the Panthers at number one? What yep. else? I think the Panthers number one, Melbourne at number two. I think it's Para third, um, Roosters fourth. Then I think it's uh, the Raiders. And let's let's stop and pause there and talk about the Raiders. Yep. Josh Hodgson, out for the season. Yeah, they uh, were better without him. Well, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So, so that, if, he, if he plays last week, I think we win that game. See, when he limped off, mm. um, I think it was against Melbourne, I thought, well, that's the Canberra Raiders season limping mm. off, uh, which I said triumphantly to my wife on the couch who rolled her eyes and said, stop trying to quote shit at me. I don't, you're not fucking rugby league mystic. Um, then I got angry and I got drunk. Uh, anyway, let's not go into that night. What I'm saying is I thought that that meant their season was, was out. But I actually kind of agree with you that their performances since that week has actually been better. And there's a bit of a, a school of thought that maybe Hodgson wasn't playing it at best form. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but maybe he was a little bit stale there and weirdly, they've got a little bit more energy out of the number nine now. Yeah, Havili uh, last week against us was electric mm-hmm. and he just gave them a, that... He was playing pretty laterally, I think, Hodgson. And, you know, I think the consensus was that he was trying to create too much and do too much by himself, but he wasn't taking the line on uh, in the way that he, I think he had previously, whereas Havili's brought a lot of energy and... Uh, my, and quite a, a direct style of play. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he made some significant um, 
meters on us and I think we was quite damaging. I mean, we don't, don't often we're prepared, see... prepared for that, were we? No, and it was I think I think that was part of it that we were playing at home. SCG a lot of teams find it hard to play it and you saw it again with with um a few, you know, big kicks on the full mm. where they just don't read the the field right. But um Hivili, uh, coming in, they were just a very different team to deal with and then Papali at the end it's just painful but no I, th- I, th- I think they're a better side now I like the way uh, you just mentioned there that teams go to the cricket ground and they're a bit unaware that they can't read the dimensions of the ground I always think what are they trying to kick the ball over long on like are they yeah. really that confused about the oval versus the rectangle ground I mean are they hoping to mm. kick deep into the Bradman stand? I mean, can you be that fucking stupid? I think it's purely one of those um, reaction time things, right? It's you probably look up and the corners of your eyes and that sees more green than there is. Yeah, fair enough. You know? Yeah. Especially for the Raiders. Yeah. You're all dressed in green. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you think the Raiders will yep. be in there. Who are your seventh and eighth then? Because this is where the real shit fight begins. Yeah, so then then I think um, uh, it's... Uh, so what, what do they have? Um, I'd, uh, Raiders at six, I believe. Yeah. But I, think, I think it's the Knights after the Raiders in sixth. And then I actually think um, for uh, seventh, it's going to be the Tigers and St. George eighth. That's really interesting. So you think St. George are going to barnstorm their way into the eight? Yeah, I think... I think. So you're saying who misses then? You're saying that the Tigers, South, Sharks all miss? Yeah. That's interesting. I think and Manly. I think oh, you think Manly will miss as well? Yeah, I don't think Manly are going to make the eight. Ooh, that's a big call, mate. That's a big call. No Tommy Turbo, though. Yeah, big shout out to Mario. Yeah, Mario. That, you just did that because <laughs> Mario was on the show today and you wanted to stab him in the back well after the fact. I know what you're doing. And you want to. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to suck up to Giannis Mateus as well, who's a massive Red V fan. Big shout out to Giannis. And you know who you've really fucked over? Big T, the Tigers, <laughs> the number one Tigers fan. And you're saying his team's going to miss the finals? No, no. I've said the the Tigers are in at um, eight. Okay, so you think no, no, the, the Tigers are in at seventh, and um, St George are in at eighth. Okay, so the three teams you have <clears throat> missing are um, Manly, uh, Souths, and uh, Sharkies. Sharkies. Yeah, I don't think the Sharkies are going to make it. I don't think Souths will make it. I honestly think the shit fight's going to be. This, I think that's a pretty good. We're pretty similar. Um, just to read out my eight. So for me, I've got the Storm finishing minor premiers. I just think they're, you know, too many, cheating. too many experienced oh, heads sorry. not to yeah. uh, not to finish off the regular season in first place. I think Eels are travelling really well. I think they'll steal second. I'm going to say it's the Roosters third, Panthers fourth. Then it starts to get a bit murky for me. So I actually agree with you that the Raiders are going to hold based on what I've seen in the last two weeks, even though I did think Hodgson spelt the end of their season. So I'm going to put them in fifth. The Knights, who I'm not particularly threatened by, but I think will win enough games to make it there and make up the numbers, will be in sixth. Tigers, I actually really like what I'm seeing from the Tigers. They were they were good. They were uh, really good last para, night. Para beat them, but you know, it was a good game. It was a great they, match. They really brought it to them, actually. It was really entertaining. It, they had great shape and attack in particular, I thought, which is something they haven't had all season. And they had uh, you know, runners running left, right and centre. And Benji Marshall was back to his, his best last night. And, and has been for the last couple of weeks. But I thought he was scintillating last night. I do think they need to drop Brooks. They keep bringing him off the bench. I think that's a no-man's land move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, What's he going to do when he comes on the 60th from the bench? He's not a game manager type. So you might as well dispense with him and just invest in Billy Walters, who I think is playing really well. Obviously, Harry Grant's killing it as well. So for me, there's enough talent there to suggest that Tiger's going to make finals. So I'm going to put them into seventh. And scraping into eighth, this was the tough one. It was between the Dragons and Manly for me. 
but I've gone with we've gone with Manly. I've gone with Des. <laughs> yeah, I think Hasler has he has a team that he he has to play finals. I think based just purely on Des Hasler's guile. I mean, you know, I just I, I go purely on the logic that the Dragons thump Manly, so. <laughs> Therefore, they get eight they spots. Get, well, That's how the NRL works, mate. It's, um, I've got to say, I, they're proving me wrong because the Dragons have finally looked like they've got the calibration right, yeah. don't they? I now, mean, they've looked good the last... Well, they've well, they won three in a row now? Something like that. Yeah. But ever since they made the shift of Ben Hunt into the nine, they've shifted McInnes out to lock second row, and they've got Clune in the halves, who I'm not a massive fan of, but he does a job... Corey Norman's been unleashed a little bit more. They've just got the combinations right. And and I'll say this to you off, Mike, but I'll say it again. Why not? Um, McInnes, it's a huge hat off to McInnes, who I think is sacrificing his own personal game for the good of the team. There's no way he's a lock or a second row. He's an out-and-out hooker, and he's played well there, but he's, he's willing to shift himself because he knows it unlocks Ben Hunt. They've got a million-dollar asset who's not playing well at seven, and he's wasted on the bench. And he's playing better at hooker. So for the good for the good of the team, McInnes has moved. And I guess that alone, that kind of unselfishness, could maybe earn them a, a finals berth. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. He's made a sacrifice there, and it's just it's just paid dividends. They've they've been in I mean, even even when they played the Raiders, they were in that game right to the death. Yeah. They're in there for the run. And look, if all goes badly, they can always hit the casino and Norman can do fucking ten lines of coke. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. A big shout out to friends of the podcast, the Sports Best Friends Potty, the NRL Roast on Social, and Andrew Ferguson's Rugby League Project. And another special mention to the Front Office Rugby League Podcast, hosted by Albie Tallarico and the NRL Economist. It's a great listen that really pulls back the curtain on what makes a club successful behind the scenes. So get on board that one if you're not already. So until next time... Just do what a hungry panther would do inside the Big Brother house and help yourself to a smorgasbord of vacuous media whores. See you next time.